I'm Carrie Brett, and this is Shot at Love. Today's topic is all about the emotions of dating. This week's guest is Dr. Renee Mudry, and she's an educational psychologist, author, and founder of Transcendent Heart Life Coaching. Dr. Renee is a chief emotions doctor who understands the gamut of emotions people experience when dating. We'll cover the hopes, joys, expectations, projections, and the best mindset to have. She'll offer tips around staying grounded, being present, and living in the moment when on the lookout for love, strategies to avoid burnout, and trusting yourself after rejection. Dr. Renee will share her wisdom to gain a new perspective and advice for regulating our emotional well-being. This episode is for you if you can't get excited about dating, stop putting in the effort, or completely lost interest. When we come back, Dr. Renee will share how to overcome feeling let down and conquer relational troubles to live an abundant life and find a meaningful relationship. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Dr. Renee Mudry is an educational psychologist and spiritual mentor who stood by her clients over the last 17 years, helping them find their way and overcoming personal tragedy. She spent most of her 20s worrying about everything that could go wrong in her life, only to find she wasn't living at all. In her 30s, Dr. Renee faced a major health issue that became a turning point that forced her to decide who she was and what she was capable of. Despite having a PhD in the field of educational psychology, and two decades of teaching experience, she knew there was still so much more to learn. Dr. Renee embarked on a journey to conquer internal doubt, negative thinking, and feelings of hopelessness. Today, she'll share what she's learned while empowering us to be the best version of ourselves. So without further ado, welcome to Shot at Love, Dr. Renee. Hi, Carrie, how are you? Good, thanks so much for being here. It's such an honor to have someone who's so knowledgeable around emotions. Can you share your personal journey of what you've learned about yourself and your journey to find love? Oh, absolutely. And I'm so honored to be here. So thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. When I reflect on 50 years of life and all the love and entanglement and enmeshment, (laughs) heartache and joy and everything, I will say in 50 years, I've experienced just about everything and I'm grateful for it. I don't think I was always grateful in every moment, but the journey has led me to absolute gratitude and the willingness and ability to sort of recognize where I was in my own way in love and how I was creating a lot of these barriers, burdens, heartaches, suffering that I kept perceiving was somewhere outside of me, you know, in that man, in that experience. And and that notion of whatever what I thought that was, when in actuality, the journey took me back home. It took me back to me. It took me back to absolute self-love. And I know it sounds so cliche and people are like, oh, I don't want to hear about self-love one more time. I want someone else to love me. But it is so true. And, and you just can't skip that step. So I have had the you know, typical life in a way and non-typical in many ways. I was married for 18 years to a wonderful man who we just had, you know, different ideas about our lives and where we would go. And we kind of just ran out of gas. And, you know, we're still friends today, which I'm grateful for. And 
And it led me into dating after, you know, 21 years with one person and quite the journey <laughs> of self-discovery. I didn't even know what men were like anymore in that way. And, you know, beginning to date and experience different things. But no matter what happened and no matter what ended, I kept finding myself reflecting upon the work I still needed to do, even after 24 years of doing this work with clients and students and knowing what I know. So the journey has led me back home, Carrie, and I'm really excited to talk about it with you today. I'm excited too. So when you started dating after your marriage had ended, did you find yourself dating differently this time around? Well, you know, after my marriage, I found myself in immediate relationship that led to an engagement and there was no time there was no healing there was there was nothing it was the absolute you know uh, belief that well i was emotionally done for a long time i gave myself permission to get out there without holding myself into that reverence of healing and so i didn't date really at all at first and found myself with another wonderful human being and and with covid and an international relationship it just didn't work out but I gave myself time after that. I, I took a, a long time off and I said to myself, you know, you've got to do this work. And when I started dating, I recognized that I, I was, I was reflecting on wisdom and the things that I knew that I wanted this time around. I was even being finicky about little things, you know, like behavioral attributes and family and all that kind of stuff. What do you have kids? Wouldn't you have kids? you know, what were his dreams, what were his visions, because I really believe in a shared mission as a couple. And and I had all of that wisdom going for me, but yet my first couple rounds out there, I ended up finding myself still being very frustrated, irritated, you know, acting out when I felt unsafe. And, you know, those emotions were creeping up on me that I had thought I had resolved, but I hadn't because I hadn't had that opportunity yet after marriage. And, you know, not feeling safe with someone and looking for them to make me feel safe led to conflict and arguments and eventually them departing or me departing. So, so yeah, I, I really was doing some things different, but then the old patterns and habits were, were still emerging. And, you know, with every iteration of the dating, I found myself finding more of me. And then the next person who came was, you know, more of what I was looking for and more of what I was looking for. And, you know, to get to this place now to be in a relationship that I adore, um, sometimes I pinch myself and go, is this real? But I think that it's really about the work and the readiness and getting to that place. So, so yeah, a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. <laughs> right. No, I love your honesty. And I was having a conversation with a mutual friend and she had the checklist going, you know, I want this and this is important and this guy likes this and all that. And I, I had to say, you know, a lot of the things that you're talking about in the end really aren't that important. And yeah. you can have differences, and but it's a process. It's all these experiences and you have to get good at dating and you have to get your ground again. And it's also emotional and and you have to trust in the process and you call this trusting in the process the unbecoming and i want you to talk about that because i think that's interesting well thank you and yeah the unbecoming is so important to me it really became it came into my awareness probably about 
four years ago. Yeah, about four years ago. And I recognized in my own journey of healing as I, I was getting ready to write my first book, I looked back upon my life and thought, well, how does one get to a space of knowing what they've been through, not just to tell the story, but to really find those valuable little gems out of each experience, no, how, no matter how hard it was, and really digging through that and unpacking it. And I started having these, these things that were just coming to me, these visions, these dreams. It was like all these messages started coming to me. And, you know, the gentleman I was with at the time, you know, really helped me to kind of form and shape this in, into that term, the unbecoming. And I realized that I had spent my whole life trying to become something, um, to gain something, you know, whether it was a career, a title, um, opportunities, money, people, whatever it was, I was always gathering, collecting and trying to become, which is really important. You know, becoming is a, 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 an essential part of life in love and, and personal development. But it's like breathing. We forget that we have to shed layers as we grow and we evolve more. So the unbecoming is that exhale where the becoming is the inhale. And so with everything that we bring in and we have, it's like my children, if there's a new toy in the house, you got to send one out. You know, it's kind of that idea. How many of us do that in love, though? How many of us do that in personal development? Very rarely did we ever learn that. So this is a process now for me that as I gain awareness of something, I also gain awareness of what I am no longer. And then as I move through that constant ebb and flow, it leads me into this capacity then to deconstruct things that I no longer want to be part of me and to then reconstruct a new identity, but keeping things that I still love and cherish about me. And then reframing all of that and reintroducing that to the world as this new modified, I don't even know what version I would be, you know, we'll say 5.0 since I just turned 50, um, you know, kind of version of Renee and really falling in love with that and helping people to understand what it is that, that you want and you are. So the unbecoming is all of that. It's the shedding, the letting go, the releasing, the surrendering, the acknowledging, you know, the, the finding the courage and the stepping forward but realizing you are the one who's doing it now. You're not waiting on anyone or anything to really be that force anymore. You realize how strong you really are. So thank you for letting me share that because the unbecoming has been so special to me. I love it. I just want to be like, let it go. <laughs> like you're so, <laughs> you're so, I you're love so, Elsa too. Yeah, that's so perfect. <laughs> you're so inspiring. And I love the Renee 5.0. It's so good. You're so optimistic and so inspiring. And your journey has not been easy, but you always have this like positive outlook. Why is it Thank you. why is it so important to have a positive outlook when dating or have the right mindset? Oh my goodness, for so many reasons. Let me take a breath and think about the order of how to go through this. But I think that first and foremost, that we recognize so many times it's easier to be heavy, even though it sounds ridiculous, right? We could say, wow, but heaviness doesn't feel good. You would think that the human spirit would want to just jump out of that the first chance that they could get. But it, it doesn't, right? Because we're raised by individuals who work hard and, you know, who've labored and loved and 
you know, who didn't have it quite as easy and, and the world was different and there were so many different things. And so we have all of these patterns inside of us from all the people who ever lived before us. And I call I sort of call this our ancestral legacy in love. And we don't realize that we're packing that up and packing that up. And so whenever we step out of bed and, and we go into the world each day, there's probably 80% of that stuff and 20% of the good stuff. And so to to really have an optimistic, you know, more positive way of looking at the world takes a lot of work because it really isn't as natural as people think it is. So those of us who who have this capacity to do this sometimes can look a little over the top for people and they're like, oh God, you know, and they make them feel bad. But I was there too, because I was in the 80% most of my life, just grinding and getting through and all of that. But when I started to be really grateful for life after a major health scare and, you know, being diagnosed with melanoma cancer and having to go through, through, you know, those things for that procedure and that process for a long time and having a one and a three-year-old at the time, it kind of humbles you. And it makes you really take that moment and say, life is just too precious for me to sit here in agony and suffering if I have a choice to do something different. And I chose to do the different but it wasn't easy. And, and every day isn't easy. Every day isn't full of optimism and courage and all that kind of stuff. It ebbs and flows. So I think, but to, to answer the question about why we should do this is because the more that we practice this, we engage in it as a sacred practice, the more it actually becomes a greater portion of us. And it's no longer 20%. It becomes 40 and it becomes 50 and it becomes 60. You know, no one's guaranteed how much they'll ever get every day, but you can have more of it when you actively show up and participate in it than wait on it to come from something else. So I'm not going to waste any more time in my life. I'm taking full advantage of it. And I have to say more days are good now than than they used to be for sure. Yeah, I love it. I would imagine going through a major health issue definitely taught you to put things in perspective. And you are really good at staying grounded. And I think it's really important when dating. How do you stay so balanced or keep things in perspective during challenging times? <laughs> it's all an illusion. I will say what's really <laughs> funny is I'm such a, you know, I'm a typical air sign. I'm Aquarius and I am, um, I love to live in the ethers of life and thought, you know, I'm one of those very highly creative, spiritual, you know, I'm floating usually. So to say that I'm grounded is, is I'm, I'm honored to, to hear that because it's taken a lot to anchor myself and root myself, but I still just kind of float in the air and I'm a dreamer. And so it does take a little bit of, of practice to remind myself when I'm too far out there and I'm forgetting to show up in the day-to-day and to be present and be here, it can feel really disconnected. So for me, I mean, again, it's a sacred practice of just a lot of even visualizing myself, rooting myself into the earth, rooting myself into life, being present with my children, being present with my loved ones you know, asking myself my, my own questions, am I really here? And, and, and if I'm not, where am I? Can I bring myself back? And, you know, just like in dates, many times when we're just sitting at a table with someone, it's so quick, you know, that our memory banks start to, to rotate and we start to think about, 
all the things that we've ever experienced and can this person be better than that? Or, you know, they say something that triggers something from our past or from another person and we immediately make that association. That's not being grounded and rooted in the present. That's being anywhere but the present. So, you know, for me, this has been really helpful to just be able to, um, I do audio uh, journaling where I actually talk to myself each and every day. I talk to myself for a little bit of time. I wrote my whole book through audio. And all I wanted to do was to document how I felt, how my voice sounded, and be able to have those memories of those experiences so that I could go back to it and reparent her, nurture her, or just love where I was and remind myself of the growth and the journey. I don't think we do enough of that so that we forget. Our mind just simply forgets. And so we float up into the air again, or we, you know, lose ourselves into the past, or we think too far ahead, and it doesn't allow us to stay grounded. And I do meditate, I do visualize, you know, I do really a lot of spiritual work in my own life with my own teachers, constantly keeping myself in that space. So thank you for asking. That's amazing. And I know you have this Fab Five who helps you put systems in place and stay grounded. And I had that as well when I was navigating online dating. Can you talk about that? Oh, my Fab Five are incredible. And, you know, these five can rotate. That's something I want to just kind of put out there in the world that they probably should rotate. Of the five, it's like your spirit guides. It's like your angels. These are your, your best of the best. And they don't always have to be the softest. I mean, you can, you can, um, you know, create this five with individuals of varying temperaments and personalities and ways of living and what have you. And so these are the five that are closest to me, who know me at, at, at whatever that level is that I needed them to know me, to support me. And this takes a lot of pressure, I'll say this, off of my partner, even though my partner is now part of this fab five, you know, just not having to feel like they have to be a hundred percent to me and that they have to do everything for me. So I have, you know, a friend who is a therapist. I have a friend who, you know, is, oh, actually there's two therapists in this group now that I'm thinking about it. And there's one who is a coach and, you know, one is a relative of mine and one is my loved one. And so these people know me in all the dimensions, but they each have different responsibilities to help me through certain things, but it's my responsibility to tell them what I need from them. And I even use key phrases or words. So if I say this, or I text this to you, this is an indication that I'm struggling or I'm needing some support. And I'll always ask permission, you know, do you have the emotional capacity to support me in this moment? Because I'd like to talk. I need support. Sometimes they can be there for me. Sometimes they can't in that moment. And so I also give myself that boundary to say, Renee, don't have an expectation. People just drop everything for you. That is, that's going against your own knowing of emotional containment and what you need to do for yourself. So these are really important people who help you emotionally, socially, whatever might be the case. Um, and, and you create this really beautiful knowing of how people show up. And this helps relationships because like I said, your, your loved one, your soul partner doesn't have to be 100%. They can't be it. And also they know that you're able to get support. So it takes pressure off of them to solve everything for you. And also you realize that the more you learn to communicate and ebb and flow with people like this, you become a better communicator. And so your chances of actually securing a wonderful relationship improve because you're doing this inner work. 
So I love my Fab Five. And yes, they rotate out every once in a while. I don't want them to get exhausted. I don't want them to ever have that feeling that they have to. I want this to be a part of their life that's important for them too. And so I'll rotate people in and out to give people a break too. So, but thank you. That's good. Well, because you have to watch that balance of being the friend who always is in crisis because yes. it puts a lot of pressure on that friendship. And so I like how you said that some people can respond or some people can support you that day and that you manage your expectations around what people are willing to give you. And I think it's really important to manage your expectations when dating. And I think you can remain hopeful, but like you know, anything can happen when it comes to the matters of the heart. What would your advice be around getting too far ahead or projecting too much when you start a new relationship? Well, I think you have to kind of engage in forgiveness right away of self because it's going to be, it's almost anticipated, right? I mean, it's just such a normal part of the human brain to go way into the past or to skip the present to begin to think about especially if one's excited about this person, you know, it's like, oh, I can see them here and I can see that we all do it and it's okay. So forgive yourself first and foremost. Don't beat yourself up and think this is such a horrible thing that you're doing. It's a very natural part because when we recognize that the brain has a propensity toward the poles, what we have to do is show up and activate the middle, which is the present. And, and so we can do that. We can just kind of you know, engage in some breath work. We can, you know, utilize some self-talk. We can say, it's okay, Renee. I always talk to myself in third person. Yeah, it's okay, Renee. You know, of course you have a dream. Of course you have a vision. Of course you have a desire for, for what you hope, you know, for in your future. Why wouldn't you be thinking about this? But in order to get there, you got to show up here. So get back here and do what you've got to do to do that. And so sometimes I'll even just like, you know, I'll, I have like physical stimulation that I'll do. I'll either like just stroke my hair really quickly or I'll rub the back of my hand, you know, or I'll move my feet and I'll remind myself where I am and get back here, you know, have conversations in the present moment because all you can do in dating is date what is before you and with you at that moment. You can't date who you hope they're going to be. And you certainly don't want to date who they used to be. And so neither of those are present, but our minds again trick us into believing that that's more important than what we're actually seeing before us. But then some people will say, well, Renee, you know, what if they're not quite themselves on that date and they're shy and they're scared and they're not bringing their best self? But being present helps you recognize that people may be anxious, people might be frustrated. So you actually might be engaging in um, some emotion calibration in that moment with people. It's okay to say, you know, I notice you're a little nervous. I'm nervous too. Don't worry about a thing. I'm happy to be here with you. Think how much that would change someone versus sitting there in your head, thinking about the future, about what a horrible communicator this person is and how introverted they are and how this is never going to work. It's unnecessary because people shift and change all the time. We have. So why wouldn't someone else, if we were positive and faithful to ourselves about it versus getting ourselves crazy about it. So, so those are just some things I'm thinking about, but self-talk is really good when, when people are too far ahead to pull themselves back and also to just sort of reground and reroute and bring ourselves back into that moment and just enjoy ourselves. Right. I love this because 
Dating is such an emotional endeavor, and it's so easy to fall head over heels and get swept up in the emotions and planning your life and this fantasy. It's really easy to lose yourself. So I like this self-talk and just trying to ground yourself and be present. See, I told you you're good at grounding yourself, even though you're an Aquarian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. With the Gemini moon, it's like I'm way out oh there. Oh, my God. I have there. the same thing. I'm an Aquarian with the Gemini moon. Nice. Oh, my gosh. I knew I loved you. <laughs> uh, me, too. See, there we go. Soul sisters out in the, in the, in the ether somewhere, for it. sure. I love it. But, you know, Aquarians are really good at knowing who they are because exactly. they are in the ethers. So you got to figure that out because we are out in outer space most of the time. But right. <laughs> dating is interesting because there's so many ups and downs and highs and lows. I want to ask you what your advice would be for someone who is struggling with dating burnout. And, you know, no one really taught us how to listen to ourselves or do this self-talk. Can we learn to take better care of ourselves? Of course we can, of course, because the innate healing exists within us. So the healing and the healer is already present with us. We just have to actively acknowledge it. We have to stop fearing that somebody's better than us at healing us and someone's words are better than ours at talking to ourselves and someone's touch is more important to us than our own touch and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's that that was the big part of my healing. And and I've written a lot about this whole idea of self-abandonment, you know, and this is this is a big part of my journey. And I think that when we look at that about you know, can we really engage in things to avoid burning out? Absolutely. We have to first acknowledge that we are, and we have to first accept that we are. And that's okay. We're not failures in life because our systems have said enough. I'm grateful for that system saying enough because that tells me, oh, I need to, I need to shift gears right now. I need to go into a different direction. And instead of going, oh my God, I'm starting to feel really tired and I don't feel like I'm okay. I wonder what this means. I'm like, nope. You got to go take your vitamins. You got to go drink your water, get out and walk your dog, you know, do these kinds of things. And dating, it's the same thing. We kind of have to check ourselves. And I know you're familiar with the apps and everything from your history, Carrie, and I love that. Um, sometimes we just keep ourselves on these apps and we never take us off. And the algorithm actually works against that. So it's better if we actually go on and do what we want to do and see if we find someone and then go off and engage in life come back on if it doesn't work out. You know, we have to have these iterative experiences in dating. If we just keep going and going and going, what we find is that we the fuel just runs out. So I question people in their in their etiquette in a way of, are they just slapping those pictures on, that profile, keeping it on there, not even actively really doing anything with it, then it's better to take it off and allow yourself to be more free in real life. If you're on there and you're showing up and you're getting frustrated, that's a big sign that you need to take a break and you need to recalibrate and think about why your expectations are, are leading you to that place of, of emotional irritation and frustration. And also, if you're just going out too often per week and you're not allowing yourself your own time, you know, really allow yourself. My, my, one of my best friends, she, you know, always reminds us, go out on a date with yourself. And women are like, what? I don't want to go out by myself. People are going to think I'm weird. No, do it. Enjoy it. Really go out by yourself. 
the best dinner, that wonderful glass of wine or sangria, you know, go wear your beautiful outfit, she always was telling me, and, you know, just get out there. And it was really cathartic to do that. So dating yourself, really reminding yourself that your voice, your touch, your experience, your knowing is more powerful than anyone else's, spending that time reflecting on what you've learned about yourself after every date, not feeling like you have to date all these different people all the time, be okay. But, but you know, burnout also shows on the other side, Carrie, when people start to get really irritated and they just self-isolate. They're like, well, I'm not going to date anymore and I don't need this and I'm just going to show up for myself. But they take it to the other dimension, which is self-abandonment as well. It's the idea of that no one can ever be good for me because I'm afraid to actually put myself back out there to go through this again. And so all of that is part of what we're looking at is this burnout in dating. And it really starts with that forgiveness, that acceptance, and then giving ourselves the time and the space. Space is so important for self and with others because that allows us then to find the right people and to learn who we really are in those experiences versus feeling like we're just you know, kind of settling for things because we're panicked or we're worried that we're not going to find anybody. So yeah, this is a really important topic. I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah, no, it's really good. And I like this reflecting because my whole thing is like, keep going. Don't let one bad apple ruin it for you and take, you know, knock you down or dim your light. But if your attitude is not good and you're miserable, it's time to take a break. And I like that. I don't think people really talk so much about the burnout because the burnout comes in lots of ways. Maybe it's some bad dates in a row or it's some rejection with ghosting or a relationship not working out. Now, a lot of people have lost relationships during the pandemic and it's been really common Are there any important lessons that you learned in the past couple of years during the pandemic around relationships? How great would it be to find the love of your life, the man of your dreams? Do you believe online dating would work if you had the right tools to be successful? Well, I have exciting news. I've created your best shot at love masterclass. I cannot wait to share with you what's worked for me in my life and for many of my clients that have helped over the years. If you enroll in this class, you have a winning mindset and believe in getting help before you start something new. If you're ready to see changes in your dating life and want to take action, check out my free webinar at shotatlove.co. If you decide you're going to choose another path, that you're worth it and you're willing to enroll in the masterclass, you can also register at shotatlove.co. I designed this masterclass specifically for you to be successful. Please know that everything you're going to learn in these nine modules and six coaching calls has been carefully curated for you so you can gain the success you truly want. I will be there for you the whole time. In the meantime, I wish you all the success and I can't wait to hear about your story of finding love. I'm Carrie Brett and I will be your mentor and friend through this incredible journey. Oh, 
Oh my goodness. The the biggest one was was the fact that I had done 20 years of codependent release work and yet I found myself back in the codependency loop. Because I think that with COVID, we were forced into extreme, you know, contact with with people that normally maybe we wouldn't want to, right, on a regular basis that we could escape during the day or we were missing those that we wanted contact with. And so it was natural for that yearning and that wanting, you know, to come back up. But I found myself in my isolation really being very uncomfortable. And I'm such an extrovert. I haven't always been. You know, I was very introverted as a child, but socially emerged as an extrovert in my teens, thankfully, due to chemical changes and other things like that physically for me. But I really yearned for social contact. And what I recognized with that relationally was that I was not able to really see in my own self when the healthy attachment versus the unhealthy attachment was actually emerging, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so that was, yeah, that was a really, really, you know, important part that I had to reflect on. Interesting. Well, now you must have just known that, okay, well, this relationship didn't work out, but you had some kind of trust in the universe or divine timing. Do you think that's true? I do. I absolutely do. And I, I think that everything really is about that notion of the right time. And, but, but I think that we can look apart from that right time as well. Meaning like, you know, it may not be exactly perfect, right? I don't think there's an exact perfect time, but I think there is a time that gets created through the interaction work that we do for ourselves, the readiness that we start to attain and acquire, and also that which comes in in our partner that we're looking for. There's no doubt, and I know you've felt this, that when you're ready and you meet someone who's just as ready as you are, and you're leaning in and they're leaning in and you're showing up and they're showing up, it's like, whoa, you know, it's almost like we don't believe it. Because we're so used to believing that the unreadiness, the unpreparedness, the, you know, um, negative behaviors that people do in dating, well, I can't like you, I have to pretend that I don't like you, and they follow all these rules, they start to believe that over, God, is it just, am I in the right moment? Am I in the right time? Is this the right person? Are these variables coming together and interacting together in the right moment? And can I just say yes to it? And if if they're not, it's okay to say no to it and say, not today. But I think people, and I always use the word totality with my clients, emotional totality is where we start to believe that everything or nothing really exists. And really, it's always in between, right? There really is the nothing and the everything really isn't out there, right? It's It's a little bit of somewhere in the space in between. And so when something happens in dating, oh, this is horrible. Totality. I'm done. Block. Lock them out. Never speak again. You know, a lot of people treat marriages that way. I'm not allowed to be your friend. Why? (laughs) Why not? You know, I think it's time to break these rules and this idea of what time and readiness really looks like. And I think that's what divine timing really is, is when we get back to ourselves again, hence, you know, not abandoning self. And we actually recognize that we're the ones who created all the limitations in the first place. So that divine timing can happen whenever you wish to. I agree. So I love that. Just say yes to yourself and believe 
that there's so many possibilities and you can wake up and say, today is the day that I'm going to pull in love. And I believe yeah. what you think about, you bring about. And it's statistically found that if you think you'll find love easily, you will. So how did you balance your anxiety or fear about the future? Well, I would say at first, not very gracefully. <laughs> and I think that's why it, it led to those relationships not working out. Some people are so easy to just say, well, that wasn't for me. That wasn't the right person for me. And, and to always put the onus on the experience or the other person versus saying, I wasn't ready for me. I wasn't ready for this yet. And, and that's what I finally did, but it, it wasn't clean and it wasn't pretty at first. I, I just remember getting into an argument with, and I'm not much of a, you know, a conflict type of person. And I remember being in a car and just feeling so much anger at this poor person who's like newer in my life. And he's wondering where are all these emotions coming from and why is she like this? And of course he didn't have enough history with me to sit there and go, okay, she's just having an off day. So of course we panic, right? When someone exhibits the anxiety or the fear or the worry, we don't have enough, you know, sort of capital with them. And so for me, I, I was like that. I was just spewing everywhere. I was, and my fear would, would come out in asking the question, are you sure you like, you know, do you like me? You know, if you want to leave, you can kind of leave. I did ridiculous things um, in dating. And, and I look back on that and go, that was just my anxiety. That was my fear of absolutely stepping into something. And it wasn't that it wouldn't work out. It was the fear that I needed to, would I be able to show up for myself? Could I trust myself in love? It's been my biggest, biggest lesson. And that is what broke the codependent wheel. Because if I trust in myself, even if I don't know what I'm doing, 99% of the time, I have no idea what I'm doing in a day. I just go. And, but I trust in myself that no matter what comes before me, I'm going to know what to do in every moment. And, and that's the ability to, to discern. Discernment is just absolutely incredible. And so I don't have to always have everything readily prepared, but I have to have a knowing of who I am and what I'm capable of, what I want and what I desire, what my mission, everything in my life has to align with my mission and my vision. And if it doesn't, people included, I have to keep them on the outer parts. So that has helped me balance my anxiety a lot because I recognize that that, that was really coming from the vibrational system inside of me that felt that I was out of control of my own self. And I was. And once I got back there, I realized that nothing really could, could you know, pull me out of the roots again. It doesn't mean that I don't have pain and suffering. I do. It doesn't mean that I don't have, you know, unfortunate things. I do. But they don't feel like they used to and they don't stick, stick around forever. And I think that we have to remind ourselves of all of that and helping to really kind of release that anxiety from ourselves and dating especially. I love all this. This is great. So I have to ask you my last question, and I'm going to have to have you back on for a part two because I feel <laughs> like I can do a podcast on every single one of your rooms on Clubhouse. I just love everything you oh, say. Thank you. I think you are so amazing. Now, I believe it's never too late to find love. And I love what you said about trusting in yourself and you don't have to have all the answers and have it all figured out and, and how you stay aligned with your mission and your vision 
and how that's helped you balance your anxiety. What advice would you have for someone who has repeatedly gotten hurt on a dating app and is at their wit's end and ready to just throw in the towel and give up? Oh, my goodness. If we do that, we essentially walk away from the most beautiful thing that was ever granted to us by by the very notion of having a heart inside of our body, and that is to love and to be loved. But we already are. We are we are of the fullness of love just by existing. And so if someone's ready to throw in the towel or feeling that, they're looking too far outside of themselves for that. They haven't really embraced it. They, they can try to convince me, but I told them I'll sit at any table with you and debate, and I will show you at the end of this debate how you have not truly loved been there for yourself and been everything that you ever needed. And until we do that, we're going to keep finding ourselves in these spaces. So it's never too late. It's never too late to do anything, but we have to step up and love ourselves, be honest with ourselves, give ourselves everything that we need before we ever look for it outside of ourselves. And it's not cheating. It's not unfair. It's not unfortunate. It is what truly has to happen. The love exists inside of you, each and every one of us. He or she, whoever you're looking for, is already in there. And I know it sounds really like, I don't want to look inside. I want to find this, you know, six foot two, handsome strapping man and this, this and that. Great. You know, he that energy of that man that you're desiring, though, is inside of you. That That grace and that beauty and that bliss of that woman is already inside of you. You just have to believe that it's already a part of you. And, and that's what will help catapult you back into that sense of, I can stand in my own power and I'm happy to be with myself, but I really do yearn to have a partner in life who complements that energy and you'll find them. You will in some way, shape or form, but it isn't going to be in the way that you think it is because pessimism will never get you anywhere. As you said, Carrie, you really have to have the positive belief that you're worthy, you're lovable, that you're beautiful you're capable, you know, all of that, but already that you fully embody all the love that you need. And when you get there, they come, right? right? They come. Yeah. If you go back to that love within yourself, then you're emanating love. So then you just yeah. keep attracting that. It just happens, but you have to know how to work the energy. You do. And everything is energy. Everything. It's so <laughs> true. And you've got it down, girl. So <laughs> thank you Aww. so much for sharing your expertise and inspiring us to find love and showing us why it's never too late to find a meaningful relationship. Now, where can people find out more about you on social media or follow your club on Clubhouse? Well, thank you. Well, my website is transcendentheart.com. So you can find me there. I have an info page. You tell me all about yourself set up a time to meet. Um, we, I do a free consultation. I'm happy to do that. Also, I am on Instagram at transcend.with.drrenee. So those are dots in there. And then on Clubhouse at Dr. Renee, I was the very first Dr. Renee on there, thankfully. And um, I do have a club called the Emotion Club on Clubhouse. And we'd be happy to have people come in our room and come on stage and share their stories and their journeys. Um, and would love that so much. So thank you. That's great. Well, I'm a huge fan and I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time today. Well, thank you. And I'm a, a huge fan of yours. Congrats on everything you're doing with your podcast. Absolutely phenomenal. Aww. And I'm really excited to see where you grow to. 
Oh, thanks so much. And for now, this week's Shot Love Dating tips that come directly from our guest, Dr. Renee Mudry. Number one, it is never too late for love. No matter how badly you've been hurt, you are deserving of pure love. Let go of toxic patterns and the belief that love is heavy. It's not supposed to be heavy or hard. Trust your smile, not your past. Love is supposed to be full of joy, not drama. Number two, pay attention to the red flags. When someone shows you their true colors, stop trying to repaint them. Number three, find love in the wholeness that you are, not in the brokenness that you're not. I hope you found some of my tips helpful this week. This is what Shot at Love is here for, to help you find love. Keep up the commitment to yourself and commit to helping someone else by sharing this podcast. And I have exciting news. Shot at Love is now airing on iHeartRadio Live on Power Me Up Radio Talk 24-7 on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So tune into the station with heart on iHeart. Remember to stay safe and stay tuned for more episodes. I'm Carrie Brett, and we'll see you next time.